Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast and affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me as always is my partner in crime, Skylar Timmons. Skylar, how are you doing now that the season is officially over and has been for about a week? Uh, It's annoying because I can't watch playoff baseball because we don't have cable anymore, so... That's kind of a bummer. I like to watch playoff baseball. But all things considered, going pretty well. The weather is getting colder. We're in that fall season. Yeah, I don't like pumpkin spice, but if I did, I'd be in heaven. Good stuff. My sister told me that I needed to try a beverage from Starbucks that was like a pumpkin cream chai latte. Nice. So, um, I don't know. Sounds no. pretty good. So words I, mean see, nothing I, to me. I like pumpkin spice, but I'm as the kids these days say, basic. Hmm. Um. Can yeah, we get we gotta, Swift on this podcast? <laughs> Do you think we'd really, be able to pull her onto the podcast, Skylar? I think it would be easier to get Travis Kelsey on this podcast than it would be to get Taylor Swift. Well, if we get him, she'll come with him. And I think both of those are equally 
out of our reach. Uh, unfortunately, yes. We, we can't even get Mac to come back on the show. That's true. <laughs> Mac is uh, infinitely more busy than Taylor Swift. But we have a uh, hopefully a fun show for you. Unlike last week where we had the uh, two hour long misery cast, as it were, where we sort of broke down all the ne- a bunch of the negatives from the season and just kind of stewed in it for a little bit. Figured this week it would be a nice change of pace to talk about the positives of the season. And there were definitely bright spots to the season. And, you know, it was a bad season. We're, we're not trying to, you know, blow sunshine up your butt with anything like that. But there were, even in a 59 and 103 season, bright spots, things to be happy about, things that can make you look forward to next year or look forward to the future of Rockies baseball. And Mm -hmm. speaking about the future, we might as well start with the roundup of all the rookies that played this year for the Rockies. You know, the top three being Brenton Jones, uh, Brenton Doyle, Nolan Jones, and Ezekiel Tovar. If we could figure out a way to combine Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle into Brenton Jones, that dude would be sweet. Would it be Brenton Jones or Nolan Doyle? I like Brenton Jones. I feel like Nolan Doyle is more like of a baseball name. This is true. Yeah. But before we (laughs) Brandon, I wanted to mention one quick thing with. It was always this weird thing when they mentioned this is the worst Rockies team in history. And in a lot of ways, it was record wise, obviously, and a lot of statistical things. But when you break out of the team and then you look at individuals, in it by far not the worst team you know when you look at it on paper what that team with the team's potential is and the guys on there especially these rookies that we'll talk about they are much better than some other teams we've seen in the past like last year's team yeah they had more wins last year but was it really a better team so to speak in terms of individuals i wouldn't say so in a way, and in some of these years past. But this year, they're better than what that record shows. And a lot of those statistical group things, but you can break it down into these rookies we'll talk about. The team is better because they have these rookies that put up some strong seasons and have bright futures and with more talent coming along the way that we'll talk about too. Yeah, regardless of what was said in some press conferences where the losing of veterans and the giving of playing time to rookies allegedly made the team's performance worse. I would argue that all of these rookies playing made the team so much better. Mm -hmm. Well, you look at these last two months and the teams they were playing, no teams that are in the playoffs right now, teams that have won, were winning divisions. They were really close games. They were competitive games. And you no know, rookies were shining out. They had some really great offensive games. And what caused those losses? Bad bullpen games. Some veterans in back ends of bullpens giving up games. So you can't blame it all on rookies. Oh, the rookie, because we had rookies, we were awful and had this terrible record. No, the rookies were what were keeping you in those ball games. They were yeah. showing up, having clutch hits, putting up three hit games, hitting home runs, making awesome defensive plays. The Rockies in these final two months, no, they still had their struggles. They had their growing pains in games. You could see 
moments when they were outmatched as rookies and just inexperienced, but other times when they looked like they were 10-year vets with the at-bats they were taking and things they were doing. So it, these last two months were bearable to watch because of the youngsters and the yes. rookies that were playing. If if you look back and you look at the you look at the roster at the beginning of the season compared to the end of the season, would you really say that a team where Jerks and Profar in left and Randall Gritchick or Jonathan Daza in center and CJ Crone at first base and Chris Bryant in right field. Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant in right field. And, you know, let's throw it back to Jose Iglesias was the everyday starting starting shortstop last year. Would you really say that's a better team after having watched the entire season? And would you really say it's a more watchable team? Because a lot of investment, especially on my end, um, when the season is lost, comes to, all right, let's see what the kids can do. And these kids came out to play Nolan Jones with his 2020 season and Brenton Doyle with one of the best defensive seasons in Rockies history. Uh-huh. And Ezekiel Tovar really shining as just this incredible rookie shortstop. And did, so we did, might... did Tovar have the best field percent fielding percentage by a rookie shortstop in team history that or at least by that. best shortstop season? I believe it. He broke Tulo's record. I want to say he did, yeah. So wasn't, Tulo's, wasn't Tulo's record a league record as well? I don't know. I'll let you talk, and I'll try to see what I can find here real quick. Sounds good. Um, but it really is. These these guys made the team as a whole better, and they made the team more watchable. And it shows by the fact that all of these rookies are in the team's top 12 players for wins above replacement for the team's most valuable players. And uh-huh. there's there's still some weird outliers on there. So if you pull up the top 12, uh, Randall Gritchick is in the top 12 because he really, for when he did play with this team, he was really, really good. But when he went to the Angels, he fell back to earth really hard. And I don't know how much of that was the Angels and how much of that was him. Um, But he had it really tough after he left the team but you have nolan jones you have ezekiel tovar you have brenton doyle and then the other guys in top war you have your your general smattering of veterans and other guys or even some younger guys so just to go through the top 12 players by wins above replacement number one is nolan jones number two is ryan mcmahon ezekiel tovar kyle freeland justin lawrence charlie blackman elias diaz austin gomber jake bird Randall Gritchick, Brenton Doyle, and Brent Suter. And when three of those top 12 spots belong to rookies, it really tells you how important they were to this team being better than it could have been this year. Like, let's face it, we could have been staring down the barrel of a season like the Kansas City Royals had, Mm -hmm. or probably not the Oakland Athletics who were actively built to tank. But even then a lot of the rookies and young guys on the A's are the reason why that team was more watchable than it was. Uh, Zach Galoff and Brent Rooker were, were really fun to watch this year. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And as to double back, I did find with Ezekiel Tovar, his 988 uh, fielding percentage is the best 
by a rookie shortstop in Major League history, passing two lows, 987 feeling percentage. Exactly. So we might as well just start with Ezekiel Tovar. So like Skylar, like Skylar, 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 the true villain of Rocky's podcasting. Like Skylar, Skylar just said. Uh, wasn't that the name of the bad guy in um, Heroes? I don't know. I never watched that show. Uh, not a lot of people did after season one. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh, yes. Ezekiel Tovar. So, <laughs> yeah, like Skyler, like Skyler said, the best defensive season by a rookie shortstop in Major League history, surpassing Troy Tulowitzki. His uh, defensive runs saved were really, really good as well. He had one of the best overall DRSs of any shortstop in the league. He had 13 DRS. That's good for number four behind uh, the Cubs' Dansby Swanson, um, a persona non grata, and the Yankees' rookie Anthony Volpe. So really strong season by Ezekiel Tovar. And he came out of the gate ready to play defensive shortstop. It was him needing to develop as a hitter, and he got the playing time to do so. And Mm -hmm. remember, he started off pretty rough at the beginning of the season and really began to shine. And he finished the season as the Rockies' third most valuable player by wins above replacement with 2.5. Ended up with an OPS of 695, which is not great, but that is largely dragged down by his bad on-base percentage. So he Uh hit 253, 287, 408 with 15 home runs, 73 RBI, uh, 37 doubles, which ties the Rockies rookie record with Todd Helton for doubles. And three, uh, four triples, pardon me. And also 11 stolen bases. It's been a long time since the Rockies had multiple rookies with double digit stolen bases. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but this was the first season in Rockies history where the team had three players with 10, 10 seasons. And that was Tovar Doyle and Jones. Yeah. That little trio. It was a nice little, combo of players and looking at Tovar the nice thing was unlike some of these other rookies they had committed to Tovar okay you're going to be our shortstop this year no matter what you're going to be our shortstop <laughs> unless it's just unbelievably terrible we're going to keep you in that lineup day in and day out and you know, yeah he struggled in that like first month or so first month two months and he struggled a little bit down the stretch too offensively that was the thing but in that first month or so he was just uncomfortable and he admitted it like he just wasn't confident he was a little nervous and and just not confident in his defensive abilities and, and just a little bit more tentative but then once he got past that he's like oh i i should actually start balling out on defense going after balls making catches playing naturally and no, oh, you watch that first month of games, and you can notice that with him, where he is a little tentative. He's not going all out, going after a ground ball. He's, you know, unsure. He's not wanting to to lay out for a ball or try to make a make a throw of some kind. But he gets over that. And then throughout the year, we see him start just naturally. He looks more comfortable there. He's making diving catches, making sweet throws. He's jumping up in the air, making catches playing defense the way that we know that he can. And the bat followed suit, 
at times and, and got more comfortable. Yeah, he he really needs to address. He's a really aggressive hitter, and that's something he's going to have to continue to work on, like the rest of the team. But he's aggressive at the plate, and that's something he can work on to cut down on strikeouts. But still, he showed the pop and showed that he can come up with clutch hits. He there were times that he was on a really nice streak, and not so. It was just nice to watch him grow in real time and build his confidence, and the team having confidence and letting him do that, giving him room to grow and develop at the big league level by getting regular playing time, which for some reason they'll do for Tovar, but they won't do for a hilarious Montero type of thing. But we got to see him grow in real time and him get comfortable being a big leaguer and, and realizing, Oh, I can be myself. I can, I'm up here for a reason. I'm going to do everything I can. And, no, it is fun to show. And then defensively, yeah, it gold glove contender. Won't win it, but he's a contender for it. Yeah, I would say Dansby Swanson probably has the gold glove for National League shortstop locked, but I think he'll definitely get some votes for it. And that really is the thing is that Tovar, like you said, he looked like a rookie in his first month because he was. In 2022, he got like a week with the mm-hmm. team. Before the season was over, he played in that series against the Dodgers to round out 2022. And he did. He started He started tough. 30 strikeouts in the month of April. So about a strikeout a game. Um, hitting 214, 263, 303. With no home runs, but he did have a triple and six doubles. And then after that, he really started to ease into it. So he hit his low point. And then... By the end of May, his batting average was up to 240, and his uh, on-base percentage was at 287, and that's rough, roughly where his on-base percentage would stay for the rest of the season. Tovar's big thing is needing to learn to lay off of breaking pitches outside. Um, we've said it before, there's not a slider low in a way that Tovar didn't want to swing at, and... Mm-hmm. He did get a little bit better with that as the season progressed, uh, although he did finish the the year with the second most strikeouts on the team with 166 compared to just 25 walks, which is sort of middle of the pack for the team. Um, the uh, the leader of both walks and strikeouts for the team was Ryan McMahon with 68 walks and 198 strikeouts, which is pretty tough. But... Ooh. But Tovar really looked good, especially mm-hmm. late in the season. He was taking much better at bats. He was making these incredible defensive plays. He's a guy to get excited for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's the cornerstone. He's a young guy. What, he's 22 now? 21, 22? Just turned 22. He's a dad. And he has con- a, a lengthy career in front of him where he can just continue to get better. No, if he's able to ball out like this in his rookie season, no, he can have offseason. Okay, this is what I need to work on, and it, it's up to the organization to help him. Like, okay, Tovar, this is what we need to work on for you to get better, which the organization has to prove that they can do. Because Tovar, as he is now, we don't want that. We don't want Tovar as he is now. We want him to continue to get better, and he has that potential to do so. If he, like you said adjust his approach at the plate, cut down on those. No, he's aggressive. That's perfectly fine. But don't let the aggressiveness also be, you no know, come towards your demise 
which it did at times, where then he's beating him into the ground, he's or he hitting and chasing a bad pitch on the first one, makes contact. Well, that's a wasted at bat. So refining that approach, being a little bit more selective, so then the power can continue to come through. He can get on base, you know, and he can steal bases. He didn't really do that this uh, as much this year, but improving, just like Brent Doyle, improving that on-base percentage, get on base more, figure out ways to get on base, draw those walks, oh, use that speed to your advantage, and that just ups his game even more so. Yeah, when he doesn't just have to rely on oh I got a hit or I'm not getting on base. Yeah, because he can be he is a he is a threat on the base paths, and you just gotta you've got to be on base to utilize that. And let's be clear, we say we don't want Ezekiel Tovar as he is now because Ezekiel Tovar as he is now is that's his floor. Mm-hmm. That's his established floor right now. Where Ezekiel Tovar as he is right now probably has a, a nice lengthy MLB career. Ezekiel Tovar, if he can get to his ceiling, is a superstar. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want for him. We want him to be able to continue and develop and become this superstar player that we believe he can be. Mm -hmm. Especially with any rookie, do you really want them to be exactly what that floor is or what you first get him as? The good, the bad, and the ugly? No, you want him refined so he can get better. Because when they come into league, they're not perfect. Already, they can go one of two ways with the rookies, especially if they have a good rookie season. They can either just continue to get better or they just stagnate and then they collapse. And you look at Cody Bellinger, came in as a rookie, really good. Well, ends up in an MVP and then it just crashes. And now he's on the back rise up. But Cody Bellinger was always good, get, trying to get better. And that's what Tovar can do is he's got a good spot right now but it can be better. That Pedro Pascal meme from that awful Wonder Woman movie. Tovar is good, but, but it, could it could be better. But he could be better. And that's with any player on a team. No rookie or not, they can always get better. And Tovar, to think of what he could become is really exciting because there's so much to like there. There's so much potential. Again, and you, know, you hear people talk like he's one of the uh, he's one of the best shortstops I've ever seen which is saying a lot, especially in Rockies history with some of the staples that they've had at shortstop for Tovar to come in and in his rookie season, do things or contend things in that rookies competing with some of the top rookies in organizational history in the seasons. He comes in in his first year ties or even breaks Todd Helton's doubles record for a rookie in a season. Oh, things like that. It's exciting. And there's a lot to like about Tovar and his future going forward. Yeah. And this kid is, is he's 21 years old. He's got a long, long career ahead of him. If he plays for even half as long as some of the greats, greats as some of the greats do. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's, it's, it's fun to look and see because we have had some incredible rookie shortstops roll through Coors Field in Troy Tulowitzki and Trevor Story and now Ezekiel Tovar, and they're all very different players. Mm -hmm. But they all share that in common of this incredible rookie campaign that we just want to build off of. Yeah, and like, he's really close into Tulo, because Tulo, I saw like he was a a complete shortstop, rookie shortstop. When he came up, he had the bat. The offensive capabilities were pretty good. 
are really good, and and the defensive qualities were there. And Tulo continued to get better over the years. And you know, Story had his problems still coming up when he came up, had the defensive stuff, but there were still like strikeout problems and stuff. So Tovar is kind of in that middle ground between what Tulo was and what Story was. He's kind of that nice middle ground between the two where he has some of Story's problems, but also has a lot of the upside of Tulowitzki. So he's kind of this nice, like, blended Tulowitzki story baby as a player between the two. He kind of bridges that gap. And especially when you think of, like, he's 21. He's not done growing. He's not done adapting. Like, he could probably get a little bit more power into his frame. Mm -hmm. In addition to just being what, what I really want from him is I want durability. Yeah, and 153 games this season. Yeah, which is really impressive. But I don't want him to reach like Tulo where his body was just given out on him or or even Trevor Story where he's had multiple injuries and then he had that um that arm issue that really hurt him in free agency. What I really want for Tovar is to him just to stay durable in addition to his mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, take advantage of that youth while he has it. But yeah, lots to be excited about, about Ezekiel Tovar. One of the best parts of this season as a whole. We're going to take a really quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the other two rookies in Nolan Jones and Brent Doyle, as well as some of the other things that stood out as positives for us in this season. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Is going to be another long one, isn't it? Uh, potentially. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Evan and Skyler here, and we're talking the Rockies rookie roundup. Just finished a nice, lengthy discussion about Ezekiel Tovar. So we might as well jump into let's do Brenton Doyle next. Brenton Doyle had a great rookie campaign as a defensive center fielder where. Not only is he one of the best center fielders, single season center fielders in Rockies history, he was the best defensive center fielder in the league this year. 19 defensive runs saved in strong contention for uh, gold glove candidacy. I'd say he would definitely deserve to win it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe he is sixth most defensive run saved in the entire league this year with his 19 number one being Dalton Varsho at 29 Varsho of course playing multiple positions but that's where Doyle really impressed this year is this 64 guy with incredible speed who looks perfectly comfortable out there in that cavernous core center field and he really made that position his. At the beginning of the season, it was going to be you know, more Randall Gritchick in center field. Gritchick wasn't ready to play at the beginning of the year. They brought in Harold Castro, who could play some center field, and uh, Jonathan Daza as well. And due to injuries, Doyle was called up. 
And Doyle's been a guy who I've been high on for a while. And he got his opportunity, and now here he is, one of the best defensive players in the league this year. And his downside was his his bat, where it took him a little bit to really find his swing. But he finishes the year with 0.9 wins above replacement, which is good for 11th most on the team. He finishes the season hitting 203, 250, 343 with a 593 OPS. The big thing for him, 22 stolen bases. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 10 home runs, 5 triples, 16 doubles. He was caught stealing only 5 times compared to his twenty uh, his 22 stolen bases. Did only walk 22 times and struck out 151 times. So there are some weak points there. But overall, really, really strong season. Yeah, and it was cool looking back. It was center field was weird at the start of the season because a lot of us have forgotten that Jonathan Daza was on the team, was playing center field every day while Randall Gritchick was still recovering from that sports hernia thingy. And then Harold Castro playing center field. St- I, you always forget about that. And it's weird because, ugh. but when they finally you know, call up Doyle near the end of April and Daza you know, gets DFA'd. I'm like, whoa, what the heck? They're getting rid of Jonathan Daza? This is weird. This is some weird, wild stuff. <laughs> and Doyle then gets to see, and it was fun. I got to see Doyle in Albuquerque like a week or not too long before he's called up and just watching him play center field. It's like th- he just has a natural feel for the position in the outfield. He makes it look effortless, you know, and he's really comfortable out there. And no, I was excited. Like, man, I, he's perfectly, he's what Coor, that they need at Coors Field exactly. Off defensively, he's going to do a lot of good out there. And just as you watch him over the course of the season, every time a ball was hit into the air and it looked like it was deep, it wasn't going to get out, but it was deep. You really didn't have any worries when it was out in center field because, you're like, oh, Doyle's going to track that sucker down or he's going to get there quick and make it really close. And how many times the ball's hit high and Drew Goodman you know, is trying to Goodman peep, gets Goodman to himself because <laughs> Doyle tracks one down and leaps, makes the catch, bumps into the wall, and throws it back in. You're like, dang. And it's so nice to have a guy, a comfortable center fielder out there, one you can have confidence in. You didn't have to worry about his legs or a ball deep in the gap. You're like, oh, Doyle's going to track that down, make a diving catch, or he's going to manage to cut it off. And what would have been a triple is now you know, just a double. Or if he can get it even quicker, he can cut down a double into a single type of thing. And plug here for every Rocky ever, we just talked to Brandon Barnes, played in the outfield at Coors Field, and former Rocky. And talking to him, I asked him about what it was like what it, when he was there at Coors Field what, watching Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle out there. He said about Brenton Doyle that it basically – the best center fielder he's ever seen. Somebody that's so natural. The instincts are so natural out there. It was just so impressive to him. And I think that's what impressed a lot of us watching Doyle. Yeah, the bat, the bat took some time and it still needs a lot of work, but he's shown that he had the defensive things hunkered down. He's got a hold on that. And now he's showing that he can grow offensively, made some adjustments, 
near the end of the season. Uh, I wrote an article over at Purple Row about it, which it needs more traction, people. I spent a lot of time on that. I was proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) It it is a good article. Um, Yeah, you're breaking down his mechanical changes because remember earlier in the season, he said that he had wanted to hold off on making mechanical changes until he got to the offseason and potentially played some winter ball. But, you know, he was struggling at the plate and he just started making those adjustments. And there's a clear difference between Brenton Doyle in July and Brenton Doyle in September. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like around the middle of August starts making changes. And that was about the time he said, I got to make some changes. My performance has necessitated that. And so it's showing that he's a humble player. Like, yeah, I I need to do this now. Oh, there's no I can't wait. Because that was the thing. He was batting under 200 all season. We're like, he's just got to get up over that line. Like, that you know, benchmark we need him at least at is like a 220 average. We'll take that. But it was just under 200 all year. And the strikeouts just striking out again and again. Late swings, whiffs, struggling to hit balls up in the zone. Can't draw walks. Can't get on base. So his speed is useless because he can't get on base to utilize it. And then still manages to steal 22 bases, but he could have had more. Oh, the home runs. We know he has power just squeaks through to 10 after hitting like four in his first like week and a half. First couple of weeks hit four home runs and then he struggled the rest of the year to hit six more. But he made those adjustments. Strikeouts went down in September, had more multi. I think he had six multi hit games, which was more than any other month. Oh, he had the top was four that he had in May. So it's he showed that he could grow and there's still room to grow if he can implement more changes over the offseason. Yeah, the fact that he managed 22 stolen bases with an on base percentage of 250. Mm-hmm. It's like, like when he, he had if he had had an on base percentage like 300, we're talking like 30 plus. If he could get on base at the same rate of like a Ronald Acuna Jr. or Asturi Ruiz, I easily a 40 stole 40 stolen bases at least if he could just get on base more because he and, has incredible speed we've seen him lay down bunt singles we've seen him leg out triples the stolen bases most of the times he steals the the throws weren't even close because he gets really good jumps he's mm-hmm. got good base running prowess and as a fielder just to roll back to his fielding because it really is incredible how good he was so the folks who uh run the fielding Bible uh, who keep an eye out on things like defensive runs saved and stuff like that are, they were really impressed with him. So to quote their, their tweet from October 5th, we're still finalizing our defensive numbers, but Brenton Doyle leading center fielders in defensive runs saved is one of the most remarkable accomplishments of 2023. Doyle finished with 19 runs saved. The Rockies had only one prior season in which center fielders combined for positive runs saved. <laughs> and then you look at the other statistics. Brenton Doyle led the league in ultimate zone rating and uh, ultimate zone rating above 150, um, above average per 150, both fan graphs metrics. He had uh, top five for outs above average, and he had the second best runs prevented above average and one of the highest just overall fan graphs, defensive ratings, uh, third highest with 21.6 in the entire league per fan graphs. 
-hmm. He was good. And this was a guy we knew could be good in center field. Uh, He won a gold glove for center field as a minor leaguer in 2021. And if he can just continue to adjust his bat, become even a league average hitter, he has an incredible career ahead of him. Yeah. If he can, we keep talking about this comparing, if he can become Kevin Kiermeyer offensively, no, Kiermaier became that star in Tampa Bay with like what a 96, 96 runs created plus type of thing. Not a whole bunch, below average, but a very successful defensive first, but had the offensive capabilities. And Doyle has that potential. And if those changes that he's making, the mechanics, which I think they will, they're helping out a ton already, yielding results, making more contact. If he can just make more contact is the biggest thing. Cause that was his problem all season. Couldn't make contact. But once he does, cause, but when he did, he'd hit the ball hard. He's a strong dude as showcased by his absolute cannon of an arm in center field, gunning homies down. Uh, it's it, in center field. It's so much better. If he can just utilize that power, make more contact, he's going to be so much better offensively instead of looking like it's, Oh, we just have another pitcher in the lineup. The DH means nothing. Because Brenton Doyle's filling that role. No, he's changing that, which is awesome. And he better win that gold glove in center field. Otherwise, we riot, Evan. Because the gold glove is not an offensive-based category. It doesn't matter if he's hitting 200. But hopefully the managers and coaches around the league recognize that. Recognize what he's done. Uh, defensively, and he gets rewarded for that. Yeah, it really is. There's always going to be a place for defensive first fielders in this league. Jackie Bradley Jr. But Brenton Doyle has the potential to be much more than just a defensive first center fielder. Exactly. He's, He's got the tools there. And this team just needs to help him continue to develop and continue to thrive. And he, ha- he, he has, has a such ton- a great season. He has a ton of potential to be a Kevin Kiermeyer more than he does a Billy Hamilton. And Billy Hamilton still keeps finding workplaces. Yeah, he's still around. Uh, just got signed by the Rays, I think, on a minor league deal. Good for him. He just keeps finding work. He's the new Terrence Gore without the World Series rings. Oh, that's right. Terrence Gore did get a World Series ring. He's got a bunch. He's got this, more than one? This is the first postseason without Terrence Gore since 2019, I think. All right. I'm looking this up. Uh, he has two World Series rings. Where is his? Because he's just post. the late game pinch runner. They just pick him up before and stick him on the roster because you need a pinch runner. All right. So we won a ring with the Royals in 2015, though he did not log any at bats. Yeah, he was the pinch running specialist. And then again with the Atlanta Braves in 2021, no at bats. Again, the pinch running specialist. He appeared in the World Series in 2014, in 2015, and in 2021. And he's been in a playoff. Se- he's been in a playoff series 
a lot of years, not every year. So 14, 15, 18, 21, and 22. Mm -hmm. Neat. I learned something today. Yeah. Brent Doyle's goal is to not be Terrence Gore. And I think World Series rings. And I think that's a totally reachable goal for him. (laughs) (laughs) The benchmark achievable goal is to not be Terrence Gore, which is totally possible. Nah, I think Brenton Doyle has the potential to really be something special. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been singing the praises of him for a while and to have him come up and be effective and impactful and and really put his name on the map as this incredible defender out in center field really makes me happy to see. Had the opportunity to speak with him very shortly on uh, the last game of the season. He autographed a ball for me. I told him. It's been a pleasure to watch you this year. Congratulations on an amazing season. Just, man, these rookies, they're special. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing of the team sticking with the guy because he's doing something really well. They did it with Carlos Gonzalez, and look what Carlos Gonzalez went on to do. They did it with Doyle. That's pot- totally within reach for Doyle to achieve that type of thing. Yeah, and they did it with the next guy we're going to talk about. But uh, I think we're going to take another really quick break here. And when yeah, we we're managing back, these a lot better this time. When we get back, it's, uh, it's time to talk about Nolan Jones. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll the be The kids right could call you back. no Jew. Oh, I can tell you a minute. Hoju. Change your Hoju. name. They name call you Hoju. The kids could call you Hoju. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I'm Evan. This is Hoju. And we're going to talk about Nolan Jones. Nojo has that Lojo, (laughs) Lodo Mojo. So there's a lot to be said about Nolan Jones. And we've already had pretty lengthy segments on each of these rookies. But we might as well just say it this way. Nolan Jones finished with a wins above replacement of 4.3, despite not starting until the end of May. Mm -hmm. Just let that sink in for a minute. Nolan Jones did not start playing major league baseball this year until what? May 26th or something like that. Late May. Uh And what he accomplished this season was truly excellent just truly 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 excellent Mm -hmm. one of the most exciting rookie campaigns for a rockies rookie we've seen in a long time i think and it it just (laughs) slightly frustrates you of like saw some stats if they i think it was the isotopes uh albuquerque isotopes posted one it's like over the course of 142 games or whatever the season, he has 30 some on home runs and uh, putting out his stats of between the two levels this season, all the games that he played. Those are rookie of the year numbers over a f- course of a full season would have been the best rookie season in Rockies history if he had played probably an entire year, if he had managed to play during his uh Rocky's vacation to Seattle for a weekend. If he had been able to play starting then, 
through the through the entire season uh and managed to produce like he has uh Corbin Carroll might be would probably would have been sweating a little bit more yeah Corbin Carroll he did he did run away with the National League rookie of the year this year literally I think he ran that's, that's pretty obvious but Nolan Jones is going to get votes if he does not finish in the top five for NL Rookie of the Year, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Because, man, it, it's really, it, it's, it's honestly, like, I have a lot to say, but you also just, it, it's kind of hard to put into words just how incredible he was. He finished in the entire league tied for, so overall, they have him ranked as number 39 for wins above replacement at 4.3. But keep in mind that there's a bunch of guys who are all going to have that same number, 4.3, 4.4, 4.5. But he was a top 50 player in all of Major League Baseball this year as a rookie. He had an absolute howitzer of an arm like we thought Brenton Doyle's arm was impressive and then Nolan Jones is coming in and he is consistently throwing out these guys at the plate and on base from from deep in the outfield it's like a in no Dragon Ball Z we're watching Brenton Doyle he's our Goku in this instance oh we know his arm he's doing some awesome things and then all of a sudden here comes Nolan Jones as Super Saiyan Vegeta out of nowhere and then just wrecks the weird little clown android thingy. Just absolutely comes in and just pummels him and shows off his cannon. And then all of a sudden, oh man, we've got these two Super Saiyan arms in the outfield that are gunning dudes down, run, chasing things down. Like Nolan Jones, actually, he's deceptively fast. With those long strides, he is tall and fast like a gazelle. <laughs> and <laughs> he was another one that, talking with Brandon Barnes, who Brandon Barnes knows him lit from their time over in Cleveland. Because Dolan was in the minor league system when uh, Barnes was there as a you know 30-some-odd, kind of his last veteran contract in the minors. And just talking to him, talking about ball. And so they still stay in contact. They're good buddies. And he's... Talking about just Nolan Jones again is just how natural of an athlete he is. His instincts in the outfield, an awesome arm, you know, incredible arm for throwing and just overall a wonderful player. And that's what he talked about. He's deceptively fast. He compared him to Charlie Blackman, that just those long strides that can cover so much ground and that helps him so much running the bases in the outfield, all that stuff. Just Nothing but high praise for Nolan Jones, who, despite only playing in hundred playing in one hundred and six games as a rookie, leads all qualified rookies, has the best batting average at two ninety seven, which is absolutely incredible. He's one of the top that he leads in on base percentage. I believe he has the best slugging percentage as well. Yeah, best slugging percentage, highest OPS. No, he had the twenty stolen bases. 53 walks, his 62 RBIs are up there. 20 home runs are up there among the top. Just overall, despite playing in way less games than a ton of other rookies, still matching numbers in like 50 less games. 
Yeah. So Nolan Jones finishes the year with uh, 4.3 wins above replacement, uh, slashing 297, 389, 542, an overall OPS of 9.31 with 22 doubles, four triples, 20 home runs, 62 runs batted in, and 20 stolen bases. He did strike out a decent clip, 126, but he also drew a solid number of walks. He drew the second most walks on the entire team with 53. And you bring up, you know, he only played in 106 games. He had under 425 plate appearances and finished the year with a 2020 season. And it came down to the wire. Um, The last game of the season against the Minnesota Twins, it took until extras. But Nolan Jones got his 20th home run and his 20th stolen base. And he is one of just 16 players to have a 2020 rookie season. And there were there were a couple of them this year where it was Nolan Jones, you had Anthony Volpe, and you had Corbin Carroll. But Nolan Jones did it in a hundred to two hundred fewer plate appearances than anyone else on this list. He's the only one on the list to have done this in 424 plate appearances. And every single player on this list prior to 2023 finished in top five rookie of the year voting, except for, interestingly enough, former Rocky Ellis Burks in 1987 with the Boston Red Sox, who finished with a 2027 season. He did not receive any of the rookie, any rookie of the year voting. Mm-hmm. And the 80s were weird. But yeah, he, he's doing this all, learning a new position in the outfield. He's still learning. So there, you can still see the growing pains, but he's, for what he is now, incredible rookie um, sets the rookie, or he's the first Rockies rookie to have a 2020 season. Breaks the outfield assists single season record for the Rockies in the outfield with what ni- 19, 19 outfield assists, just absolute cannon. For some reason, people just kept running and they hadn't learned that it was a no go on no Joe. It, it just makes you wish, like, man, we could have been. Ha- it's like in uh, Avengers Infinity War. When like Scarlet Witch flies down and like rips up those two giant wheel thingies, and the one Wakanda lady's like, "Why was she up there this whole time?" That's the kind of thing because Nolan Jones he needed to go down to AAA. Spring training he was awful, strikeouts yeah. were a problem. He was a bad spring training, so you send him to Albuquerque to work on some things. Gets there working with Jordan Pacheco, and just immediately hits the ground running. And just explodes down in Albuquerque. Or just the change of scenery, him changing his mindset of this is where I am. I'm gonna have fun. You know, his parents told him telling him, No, just have fun, enjoy it, enjoy yourself. He starts having fun. And you notice that with Nolan Jones all year. Had smiles, he was having fun, having fun playing baseball, and it was reflected in his performance. Goes down there, just tears up the PCL, just ripping home runs left and right having a wonderful time. Oh, he's playing infield, doing stuff. Gets that quick call up to Seattle. And we're like, oh man, Nolan Jones is here. Sweet. This is going to be awesome. Doesn't play him. We're like, well, what the, what the frick? <laughs> Where is he? They send him back down. He continues to just do awesome. Then they call him up in May, at the end of May. And then he gets to stick. And he finally finds a home for himself. Pushes his way into the lineup. That's the awesome thing. Evan, is he pushed his way into the lineup and gave Bud Black no choice but to play him. And that's the awesome thing, because then yeah. he just takes off. Like, 
injuries made it so that he had to play him. Mm-hmm. But and performance. performance is what kept him in that lineup. Yeah. When and that leads him to okay, we can trade Randall Gritchick because Nolan Jones is fine. We can move Chris Bryant to first base because Nolan Jones can play the outfield. Can play the outfield now, a better outfielder. And just everything about it is just so exciting. He's my new favorite player. Oh, uh, throughout he, over the course of the season, like, yeah, Nolan Jones is is my dude now. He finished in the he finished in the top 35 for uh defensive run saved across all players. He finished in the top 10 for defensive run saved amongst all outfielders. He has the absolute cannon of an arm. He's deceptively fast. He can get doubles, triples. He's got contact. He's got power. Nolan Jones is the closest thing to a five-tool player the, this Rockies team has. Mm-hmm. He can yeah. do it all. Yeah. And it's awesome. Awesome to see. It's fun to have a player, what, 25, 26, still fairly young here at the start of his career, but he's a new staple. And they probably didn't expect that when they made that trade for him. They just, oh, he's another lefty bat that we can plug in in places. But no, he's cemented himself as a new core piece for this team, hopefully moving forward, that he can replicate and keep it moving forward and continue to improve. Just like we talk about these other guys, there's still room for improvement. But he's already off to a very hot start. And if he can replicate this type of production again next year, Oh, and the year after, we're sitting pretty with Nolan Jones. And, and some, go ahead, Evan. And, I'll and how good he was just in September. Like, yeah. he really, he was good all season. But in September, he just really dialed it up to 11. He was incredible in September. He was the best player on the team. He was the best rookie in the league, basically. He was one of the best players in the league over the month of September. Basically, in every single offensive category, he was the best on the Rockies, and he was the best amongst all National League qualified rookies. And if he wasn't the best, he was darn close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, wins Platon was the National League Player of the Week, final week of the season, was the Rookie of the Month in the month of September. He's been our Player of the Month MVP a couple of times here on the podcast. Awesome, awesome stuff. And before some of the naysayers say, oh, it's just because he plays at Coors Field. Uh, no, it's not just because he plays at Coors Field. His splits are pretty even. So 52 games at home, 54 on the road. At home, he had 56 hits, 56 for 183, seven doubles, two triples, 10 home runs, 33 RBIs, 12 stolen bases, 50 strikeouts, 27 walks at Coors Field, a slash line of 306 average, 398 on base, 530 slugging. Sounds pretty good at home, doesn't it, Evan? That's darn good. That'll play. Now, we look at him on the road. 54 games on the road. Had 53 hits, 184 at-bats. Scored 25 runs, 15 doubles, 2 triples, 10 home runs, 29 RBIs, 8 stolen bases, 76 strikeouts, 26 walks, a slash line of a 288 batting average, 380 on base, 554 slugging. Is Nolan Jones Man. just a Coors Field what a, merchant? What a, what a Coors Field product. 
three less hits in one more at bat. A shame. Shame, same amount of shame. Same amount of home runs. He, you would expect more doubles. Yeah, you would expect the fifteen doubles at Coors Field. No, he had more on the road. Yeah, he had more strikeouts, but it wasn't a ton more. Well, just twenty six more on the road. Same amount of games, home and away. Twenty six walks on the road. It was unbelievable. A no, a a TOPS plus. They always have the weird OPS pluses on baseball reference, but it was 100 both ways. An S OPS plus of 148 to 156 on the road. So pretty evenly split on home and away. Well, he's a left-handed batter, Evan. Did that would surely he was awful against left-handed pitching, right? I'm sure you're going to say otherwise. Well, let's see. Against right-handed batting. He had a slash line of 289, 395 on base, and a 550 slugging, 92 strikeouts, 41 walks, had 13 home runs against right-handed pitching, 18 doubles, four triples, 72 hits in total. So, no, naturally, that platoon split. He's going to be really good against right-handers. Let's see, a left-handed pitching had 118 at-bats, 130 plate appearances in total, 37 hits, four doubles, didn't have any triples. Seven home runs, 19 RBIs. So he's had like less than half. (laughs) No, half the amount as right-handers, but he still had 10 stolen bases against left-handed pitching. Had 34 strikeouts, 12 walks. See, a 314 batting average, 377 on base, 525 slugging. Not too shabby of a platoon split for Nolan Jones, who would... Yeah, he's going to do better against right-handers. Left-handed hitting, pitching, not much of a problem. What's crazy is that his BABIP is insanely high, too. So his BABIP for the season was 401. So BABIP is batting average on balls in play. And you normally expect that to start going down over the course of the season. And it just never really did. Mm-hmm. Like, that is that is just how good he was hitting. His isolated power was really solid uh 245 it's he had just a a really good overall year and then like we were saying in september is when he really dialed it up so in the month of september he scored 23 runs 37 total hits five doubles three triples seven home runs 69 total bases nice 23 rbi 12 stolen bases 21 walks he hit 349, 461, 651 for an OPS of 1.112. His isolated power was 302. His BABIP was 417. His weighted on base average was 465. And for weighted runs created plus, 182. So that's 82 runs created, park adjusted, above league average for an overall Fangraphs war number of 1.9. Every single one of those categories was either best in the league or darn close for National League qualified rookies. The only things that he wasn't best in was the amount of doubles in which he was tied for third, triples tied for second because Brenton Doyle had the most and uh, stolen bases because Corbin Carroll had one more on the team. It was doubles and triples that he wasn't in first place and behind Brenton Doyle. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, incredible stuff. And we just keep we keep throwing out all these numbers and these stats because they do say a lot about his performance to like put it into words and like quantify it of this is how we know that he was good because you look more at his clutch stats. Evan, I wrote an article before and I asked in the Purple Roach, I was like, is it too early to call Nolan Jones the new Mr. Late Night? And <laughs> I don't think anybody ever responded. But it was because he's been so good in the clutch as well. With two outs and runners in scoring position, Evan, he has 18 RBIs and was batting 406, 578, 813 for an OPS of 1.390. That's two outs, runners in scoring position. Late in the game, innings no seven through nine, he, for some reason, he really struggled in the seventh inning. It was really weird. Like sixth inning, every inning, but like the second inning and the seventh inning, he was good in. But in That's the one of those th- weird statistical anomalies where you just yeah. look at it and be like, huh. so it, dra- it drags it down. But in the ninth inning, let's just say the ninth inning itself had a 389 batting average, a 500 on base, a 694 slugging in the ninth inning. Two home runs in the ninth inning. Oh, just was clutch at getting on base with games on the line or late in the game. For some reason, he was really good in the sixth inning. Had seven home runs in the sixth inning. And it's just how timing works out where he was batting in the lineup. But by season's end, Evan, he was what? Batting third pretty much most every night. Yeah, he third was batting fourth. early or middle of the lineup of just playing every single game. And he's just... He passes the statistical test and then the classic eye test, which I still believe says a lot. You can tell a lot by a guy more than what numbers may say, but just looking at a guy, even if they're doing well, you can see things on the eye test. Like, yeah, like especially with pitchers. So I work numbers say one thing, but watching a guy actually try to pitch and how things are working says another. And you can tell a lot with that eye test in conjunction with the stats. Sometimes I don't always agree. But that's another point. But Nolan Jones passes that eye test. You just watch him on the field. He looks comfortable. He's already just a star athlete. Watching him there on the field, he passes everything he's doing is just impressive. And he passes that eye test. You're like, man, this guy's going to be special if he can continue doing this. You know what else I really like about Nolan Jones is that, and you mentioned this earlier, is he really is having fun. And he seems like a, even for a rookie, he seems like he's establishing himself as a really good presence in the clubhouse. He, him and Brenton are buddies. He's been really close with the veteran leadership of this team and Charlie Blackman and especially Chris Bryant. We talked a little bit about the Rolex bet that KB had with Nolan. And it's just really nice to see because it it really does feel like Nolan is establishing so, himself as someone who's going to be really special for this team moving forward. And I, I feel kind of bad for our friends in Cleveland because you've seen some people kind of like, oh man, why did we trade this guy? <laughs> and, and that's how it always is. And we, we're the same way. If we see guys go to other teams. Sometimes the change of scenery is just needed. And oh, going back to the discussion I had with Brandon Barnes, that's what he told us is you know, when he was texting Colin Nolan Jones, he says, Going to Colorado is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And we now look after the season happened. 
it was the best change of scenery for him. Now, and we talked about this earlier in the season with Nolan Jones. I think we said like he just looks like a Rockies player. He fits the Rockies mold of player more than he did in Cleveland. Cleveland isn't doesn't really fit into the type of player that Nolan Jones is. He just kind of doesn't fit that makeup of their philosophy and, and just how he is as a player. And as he developed, he just kind of didn't fit into their mold of what they're going for or what they value the most, like a Juan Brito does for the Cleveland. But Nolan Jones is the epitome of a, a good Rockies player. Checks off a ton of the boxes that the Rockies look for. And it just fits. It's just a perfect match. And this is another thing. This is what's funny is if the Rockies had had the chance, they would have drafted him. But they just didn't have the opportunity to draft him, even though they were really high on him and wanted him at a high school. They just Cleveland got to him first. And that happens. And that's been a lot of guys, honestly. Um, part of Bill Schmidt's MO has really been, man, I missed out on this guy. Do I have a chance to bring him in now for yeah. better or for worse? Yeah. In this case, in <laughs> this case though, for better. Yeah. Because it... this has been such a good move. And when the trade first happened, I would say the response was fairly mixed. Uh, we traded Juan Brito, a fairly strong second base prospect, over to Cleveland for Nojo. And Nojo had been dealing with some injuries in Cleveland, and his his debut with them was kind of just okay. Mm-hmm. He wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he was more of an unknown than I think people wanted him to be. And now here at the end of the year, this conclusively was a good trade to bring mm-hmm. him in. And what's crazy to me is just how good it ended up being. Yeah, because in Cleveland, he had the pressures of he was that highly tailored prospect, top of the list, a top prospect for them for those years. And perhaps that pressure on himself and the organization, perhaps it just compounded and it it hurt. He suffered from it and everything. And so that change of scenery comes over to Colorado who you no know, from what it sounds like like we wanted you we've always wanted you here and we love what you're doing we want you to be a part of this and then takes that pressure off himself so then he can just perform and play you no know, not worry about oh, I got to live up to this high prospect you no know, thing we've, which happens to a lot of guys yeah we've seen how hard the pressure of being the top prospect can really push down on you. We've seen it with Brent, uh, Brendan Rogers. We've seen it with Riley Pint. We saw it with Nolan Jones when he was in Cleveland, especially because, you know, he was a third baseman in Cleveland and he's behind in the death chart. Jose Ramirez, one of their like best players in franchise history at this point. Then he comes to Colorado and, you know, third base is his natural position. Sure. But he's been learning. He, like we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. He did all of this this season while basically adjusting to a new position mm-hmm. and somehow ended up being one of the best corner outfielders in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Started and because they were having him play some first base. And you're like, uh, I, it seems like a waste to have him at first base. Right. What a waste played. that would have been. What a waste it would have been to have him at first base, seeing his arm and seeing the plays that he's made. And him and Brenton Doyle just sat side by side in that outfield is 
spectacular. One of the best defensive outfields I have ever seen from this organization. Yeah, right field's kind of hit or miss, depending on who's out there. But you know that if Jones and Doyle are next to each other, they've got that on lockdown. Yeah, and it's nice because Jones can play all three outfield positions. Started in right field, was playing there quite a bit. So he's having to learn how to play right field. Oh, and then we're going to move you over to left field now and have you play there primarily. Handles it like a champ perfectly. Oh, Brent or Nolan, we need you to play center field uh, for a couple of games here because Brent Doyle just needs some rest. He's not feeling well. Okay, we can throw him out there. Plays it just fine because that cannon will play everywhere. And could you imagine just we can bring a time machine and bring prime cargo up and have him play right field. Ooh. Oh, that outfield would be so nasty. Three, three guys with just absolute cannons I, out in the outfield. <laughs> it would never be safe to run again. I would love <laughs> just once I want to see one of those guys throw somebody out at first base. It'll never happen, but I would love to see that. Nolan Jones just fires one in and pulls a Sean Casey and throws a guy out at first base from left field. It's not impossible. Yeah, but I think it's a, a principle yeah, of the matter. It's a little, little bit of a pipe dream, but seriously, Nolan Nolan Jones, we could we could sit here and we could talk about him all day because Man. he really and we'll we'll do at some point in the coming weeks we'll do our awards for the we'll do our awards for the season for the Rockies. But there's no doubt that he's not only the most valuable player for the Rockies in addition to being their rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it, Tovar has the, the, and Doyle have like playing over the course of the entire season. Nolan Jones had the, probably the most complete season of the three. And he played in way less games than the other two, yeah. which man, you just wish he could have played the entire year. Honestly, three more or four more games. Cause what really hurts for, for me, for Nolan Jones is that if he had played just a few more games, he'd be a gold glove candidate. Yeah. And more in the outfield, at least three more in the outfield. He just barely missed candidacy mm-hmm. where, so per Rawlings, you need to play 698 innings prior to, or, or by game 138 of the season. And Nolan Jones logged 671 by that point. So pretty much three games. What a weird arbitrary number. It really is. And well, I guess it they, evens out with And now. it's not that they have to play in that one position the entire season. It's that they need to just log that amount of innings. And then their candidacy, I believe, goes to whichever position they played the most at. I thought he was, he was ineligible because he didn't log enough innings in the outfield. Oh, he just didn't have enough innings overall. Uh, Brent, Brent Doyle will be a candidate, though. He has over 1,000 innings uh, played this year. So you're telling me if he had not just had a Seattle vacation and had actually played... He probably would be uh, a gold golf <laughs> candidate. Yeah. Uh, that that one's pretty tough. Um oh, because wow. again, you look at you look at how he was compared to everybody else. 
and he has the <clears throat> excuse me he has the fourth most defensive run saved of all left fielders in the entire league and the best in oh no Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a diamondback now I keep forgetting that um so he has just a few fewer DRS to uh Lourdes Gurriel Jr. of the diamondbacks in left field hmm so they're the top two defensive left fielders in the league, in the National League. And then you know, right field, he ended up not playing that much right field overall, honestly. So I'm going I'm going through all of his sets. So he's not really on the leaderboard for right field. Um, he only played 266 total innings in right field um, and had just one defensive run save. That's because... You know, he didn't actually play there that much versus 501 total innings in left field for nine DRS. And just for fun, let's see 26 total innings in center field for zero DRS. So he was an average center fielder in about three games of work. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just fun to watch all season. And I really want a Nolan Jones shirt. I'd say Jersey, but those are expensive and I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, he's he's the guy who I want next. So I, I collect jerseys and things like that of all my favorite Rockies. And he's the guy who I want next. And I and, really don't want to send my money information to uh, <clears throat> certain websites from overseas. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> but you look at. And this is probably one of the last things we'll touch on here is how refreshing it was to have that solid outfield defense this year. And, and, you know, SIS baseball, the guys who run field and Bible, they mentioned that the Rockies had never had only had one season where they had players combined for positive DRS out in center field. Mm-hmm. The Rockies had multiple guys this year, three of whom younger with positive DRS in the outfield. That's Brenton Doyle with 19, Nolan Jones with 10, Charlie Blackman, surprisingly with two. Um, it's been a while since he's had that positive DRS and then Sean Bouchard with one. And you want to know how the season started is Chris Bryant with negative seven. Harold Castro with negative two. Jonathan Daza with negative three. Uh, They've actually removed Jerks and Profar from the list of Rockies because he moved on. He moved, but he went back to the Padres uh, yeah, but his was like negative. Negative 10 yeah. is what he finished the season with. Yeah, he had about a negative 11 with the Rockies. It's just, it's so nice to see good defensive outfield play. It's something yeah. that we don't get a lot of here in Colorado. We've got a tough outfield to play. And you feel good that this this team is in good hands right now with some of the rookies that we're pulling up. Yeah, and that outfield defense helps the pitching. Oh, and it does wonders when you have good outfield defense, which they have now. Definitely. For now. Well, this episode was originally supposed to be all the positives of the season, but uh, we got so wrapped up in talking about the rookies that I think some of that might have to be saved for another episode because we want to avoid having another two-hour-long episode like we did last week. What do you think, Skyler? Uh, I got nothing to do, but I understand. We need more content to carry us throughout the offseason. 
So we're going to probably cap this about here, I think. But there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. So so join us next week. We're going to have more more positives to talk about. But honestly, the length of this episode where we originally, if you look at our run sheet, the rookie roundup was planned to be just the first segment. And then we'd talk about other stuff. And we ended up filling a whole episode just gushing about Ezekiel Tovar, Brenton Doyle, and Nolan Jones. Should tell you just what an impact these guys made on this team. I'm okay being a shill for those guys. Me too. But Skyler, we're talking about the positives of Dick Mont. (laughs) I'm pretty (laughs) sure they would hunt us down. Oh my gosh. Somehow this non-live episode is getting live comments. Help. (laughs) Oh no, it's the police. They heard we were talking about Dick Monfort. Uh, We will say at least he likes rookies. Sometimes. At least he's not moving the team. <laughs> yes. That's Nolan a, Jones is awesome. Yeah, that's a conversation for a whole whole other time. But there are there are other positives to talk about this team. We'll talk about them next week. Um, maybe a little preview is that we are actually pretty satisfied with the job that Bill Schmidt did as general general manager this year. Eh. He gets satisfied. a passing. He gets a passing grade. It's like a C Promise. plus. Cromulent he had a C plus season, which C for Cromulent. Yes. Um, there were other, there were other bright spots to the season that we'll talk about. Like there's, there's more to discuss, but for now, just, we can be happy knowing just how good and how impactful these rookies were. Mm-hmm. Skyler, where can the folks find you at? Find me on the Twitters with an X. Twitter spelled with an X. Uh, the W turns into an X, but or what is the T but an X that's doing a push up or a pull up? What? Uh anyways. What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> uh find me on the social medias at sideline underscore crowd. Uh check out all of our ranking the Rockies articles that are going out right now on purplerow.com. I filled up the first week, so Monday through Friday of last week. Covered all those guys. Now the rest of the team can start this coming Monday that you're start hearing this. Our, start pulling our weight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, it's tough when we don't have as big of a team as we used to, and the Rockies decided to use 57 players. So I had no problem picking up some of that slack just when we needed it, but uh, you can find us there. Also check out every Rocky ever at every Rocky ever. Um, we have a new episode coming out where we interview Brandon Barnes, our first player interview. And it's a lot of fun. He's a, he's a fun guy to talk to. He's a good guy. Yes. That's about it. Uh, Skyler also wrote an article that went up over on Fans for Sports Network. That's FFSN.app if you want the quick link about Sterling Thompson. Uh, I think the website's fansforsports.com. But you can also type in FFSN.app and it gets you there. That's weird. It is weird. But yeah, there's both. Fansforsports.com. Um, good, good article on there. In addition to his article about... Um, Brenton Doyle's swing mechanics, which went up on Thursday over at purplerow.com. I strongly recommend you check both of those out. They're both really good articles. Yeah, I'm trying to do a lot more writing to fill up my time. 
and make some money. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang two seven, as well as on Blue Sky at Evan under sorry Blue Sky is Evan Lang two seven dot bsky dot social. Uh, I'm really trying to sort of ramp up things on Blue Sky because we sort of never know how much longer Twitter has from this world, which is the cavalcade of boneheaded decisions coming out of that company right now. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be um, nice if there was just one social media platform that we could put all this stuff on? I mean, we had it and then it went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and on Twitter for Rocky Mountain Rooftop at, at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. And then both of our writing over at www.purplerow.com. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform like itunes spotify google music leave us a rating or or a review every little bit helps thank you so much for your support and listening and as always we will see you next time skyler how about you hit him with it adios adios mio farewell Ooh, little asmr to the episode nolan jones uh, this is my impression of a fan driving by Coors Field celebrating Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones. <laughs> I don't know why, but that one really that one really landed for me. Doppler effect. It's wonderful. It sounded really good on the audio too. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace.